so this morning I tweeted, is there anything you want uh, Derek and me to cover on the podcast? And got some answers. And then Adam Watham was like, I have some deep philosophical questions for you. <laughs> and also, if you want to talk about this with me, I'll come join. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, do it. So it's the AOP three-way today. Oh, yeah. Hello, Adam. Nice. Sorry for strong-arming you into a podcast that you may have not wanted to actually do. By, uh, no, it's great. Using the power of my audience to twist your arm. <laughs> well, you you tried to to back out, and then I yelled at you, yeah. and then you said yes. <laughs> so you're 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 running me hot and cold here. I probably shouldn't be doing it because I have more important things to be doing. But I wanted to do it anyway. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so yeah, this is super important. No, yeah. All right. So he, here is your question, and I think this is great because this this honestly has been coming up for me a lot. Like we're about to go do a retreat. I've been having like some like crappy days lately like just like not loving what i'm doing as much so like i've been trying to think about like what is it about what's going on and and what what can i do to fix it so this is like very timely and so your questions were why are you building businesses at all what's your ideal life and do you think about that a lot when making decisions about growing the business if you already had five million in your personal bank accounts what would you be doing Mm -hmm. those are my questions good list (laughs) yeah so we can either talk about it as one big question where the other questions are just providing context or we could go through it. But yeah, I don't know. How do you want to, how do you want to tackle it? I, I, I think freeform probably makes sense because I, I don't have clear thinking on this yet. And so like, I'm kind of, I want to sort of just do it out loud with you Sounds guys and, good. and sort of figure it out as we go. So like, I know why we started a business. It was very clear. And we kept saying, and we kept stressing like, we want to have a really nice life. Like it was like the most lifestyle of lifestyle businesses. Like we, it wasn't like a huge ambition. It wasn't mission driven. It was like, this seems like a really nice way to spend your working hours and should lead to a lot of freedom and flexibility um, and should be really satisfying. And so like, yeah, so the answer was very much like, I think like, so we can be happy. It should make us happier and we should, we should enjoy it a lot. Were you of the mindset that like, I want to proactively make sure that I'm happy the whole time I'm like on this journey of building this company? Or was it more of like a happiness as a destination? Yeah, like this will grow into something that is has like a meaningful exit for me. And then I will truly have true financial independence. No, no, I've never thought of it like, okay, we do a thing that sucks. And then we sell it. And then good life begins. It was definitely like, no, no, it's it should be good, hopefully all the time. And at least as good as a regular days, job, hopefully. Like hopefully yeah, yeah, the lows exactly. aren't lower than the lows that what I would be doing if I was just taking a salary somewhere. I would well, I would say the lows are lower, actually. Yeah, I know. I they like definitely the, are. The rest <laughs> <of it> is, <laughs> yeah. I would say the range of my experience at a salary job was tighter, and the middle of it is a bit lower than the middle of my current range. So it was never like, okay, let's suffer this pain and then exit. And in the, even in the early days, there was this stress of like, okay, I hope we can do this thing that's really technically challenging before we run out of money and get enough customers and all that. But honestly, the early days may have been my favorite. Like Even when it was not clear it would work, like as it was starting to work and we were getting good feedback and shipping things quickly and all that, I, I was having a great time. And we were like you know, in, in Joel's second bedroom, sitting all next to each other and like just like three people against the world kind of thing. I think honestly, that was like kind of the peak for me of, of fun so far. And it's weird and kind of 
not upsetting, but it's like, I can't tell if I am screwing up or like, are there some tweaks I can make? But like, I actually feel like the amount of things that I feel like I have to do and that have to do is like very much in quotes is a list that is less fun than what I was doing in the early days of like more product management and like being the face and doing interesting marketing things and uh, talking to customers and things like that. So why do you think that's changed? As the business has grown, the cost of not taking opportunities feels bigger, I guess. Where it's like, so like we ran a test and we like went really high touch with half our trials for a month and like emailed everyone and and like offered them trial extensions and, and things like that did like basic customer success and it looks like in a statistically significant way we like increased the trial conversion rate by something like 30 or 40 percent that's that's huge we should hire someone to do this all the time mm-hmm. or like find a really clever way well, of automating the similar why thing. should you hire someone to do that all the time well exactly and that's the quote unquote have to do where it's like we would almost certainly grow faster with this person on the team and that's good right question mark well yeah is it (laughs) (laughs) it's the push and pull between making the classically like rational business decision like like being a rational actor draws you in a certain direction of like well if i can optimize this thing why not optimize it and to make this call or any call like this requires you to say like i'm going to take the irrational path by by the world's definition or by classical it's tough though because is it i don't know like i man it is a struggle because i feel like what i've learned is there's this constant like magnetism towards making the business better not thinking about yourself and just thinking about like the business and i feel like it takes very conscious effort to remind yourself why you even created the business in the first place and to you know what i mean (laughs) Totally. And like, there's a million blog posts about like growing revenue or like decreasing churn or, you know, like hiring a team. But who's like writing about and beating the drum of like not doing these things, even though you know they would be good because it doesn't make you as happy as, you know, alternatives? I think Paul is. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say, besides Paul Jarvis. Yeah, exactly. But there's not, there's not much else out there for sure. At a certain point, it does make sense to like optimize for making the business bigger because you need it to be bigger to be comfortable. And if that makes sense, like if you're still getting something off the ground, you don't have like an exit's worth of money sitting in the bank, then the way to get to that point to feel secure, to feel like you have like the freedom and flexibility to really do what you want. You have to grow the business, but I think like it's, it's at least from my perspective anyways, and I know not everyone thinks about it this way, but I feel like it's easy to stop thinking about that as like a trade-off that you're making. It's like, I'm growing the business and hiring more people because that's the only way to get to this like milestone I need to get to, to feel secure. You know, it's, it's easy to look at it as just like, I'm growing it because I can. And that's positive. Lately, I'm starting to feel like it's a necessary evil to get to the point that you want to get to, not like the goal in and of itself. You know, I don't know. Sometimes I just like feel like I literally have 
like an exit's worth of money in the bank for compared to like what most of the people I know who have sold their businesses for, <laughs> you know, have. And so it's like, why am I not doing what those people are doing after they sell their business? You know what I mean? Because like I have the resources that they have too. And, but instead it's like, if I don't think about it, if I just like let like my lizard brain operate the business, it's like, oh, there's something we could build. We need someone to build that. We could, you know what I mean? I don't know where I'm going with that other than to say it's just like it's it's easy to to forget why you were trying to to make it bigger in the first place. But some people just want to do that, you know, which is why, like, I asked that question on Twitter is I do think some people like for them, just the challenge of like building a business and turning it into this like empire, you know, is exciting. Like, I don't know this for sure, but I have to believe someone like Jordan Gall, for example, he's more passionate about the idea of like building awesome businesses than he is necessarily about like building e-commerce software. You know, I think Andrew Wilkinson kind of like has this vibe going to where like the thing that he is excited about and finds fun and challenging is like creating systems and building businesses and making them run themselves. It's not the problems that the businesses solve that are the really exciting part. It's like, I love the challenge of like building businesses. That's kind of what gets me going. And sometimes I worry that it's like easy to model your actions after people who care about that stuff a lot when it might not be what you actually care about or why you got into it in the first place. Totally. I feel two sides to that where part of me really, I have that optimizer in me where it's like, I look for problems. I see them. I want to figure out a way around them. Like, how do we fix this, improve this when we get support requests and like this thing is broken or like when someone notices a bug, I'm like, ah, how do we change this so that we have an answer to these kind of things and these sort of things don't happen. And so like my natural optimizer, I think will just keep adding complexity and people and answers I have some of that like enjoyment of like it's it is cool to build a business. It's that's a really interesting thing to occupy your mind with. Like I I enjoy thinking about Tuple a lot. But I do think there's a risk that I'm making that the goal or that kind of the main driver of my decision making and thinking and not also being like, yeah, but what do I want? Like what leads to satisfaction if not happiness? You know, at least like a sense of, you know, enough or you know, a, a pleasant, pleasant type feelings. I'd be curious to hear what you think about this, Derek, because I feel like there's more forks in front of you still. Like, I feel like, you know, Ben business is like, we have big customers now that have thousands of developers that use our software and, uh, we're in multi-year contracts. So like some of these ships have already sailed and like we have a team of seven people, you know, so like some of those ships have sailed for me. Like, of course, like I love the people that I work with and I think we do awesome work and, and it's fun, but it's still like, well, yeah, like we're at a certain point now, like we're here, you know what I mean? So you, it's just you and Corey helping you out. How many people do you want to be working on Savvy Cal with? It's a really interesting question that I'm constantly wrestling with at this stage because I think my own ambitions for the company have shifted gradually. Like I kind of started out like, okay, I know I want to be ambitious with this in the sense that I want, I don't want this to be like a optimize for lifestyle, max out at 12K and just live, like pay myself a nice salary and go travel the world. Like I knew that was not my, my goal was not to do that. My goal was to build this into a truly like meaningful multi-million dollar business 
that produces a good outcome for tiny seed who put money into the company early on. Like I, I, so I kind of oriented around that, but the question was still like, how, how big do you want to grow this and how quickly aggressively do you want to do it? And it's interesting because I'm feeling the pull of making sure I'm not burning myself out because I'm, I'm a decently poor delegator naturally. Like I kind of like to hold on tightly to the things that I feel like I have expertise on. And so like, giving up the reins on like building the core product and actually like taking on full features to completion and me not being involved in them is a pretty tough thing for me to let go of. But I also know that if I, if I stay in this position where like I'm just keeping the team really, really small and I'm wearing many, many hats and holding on tightly to all these responsibilities, like that's not sustainable. And I'm going to, I'm going to get burned out on that. So then it's like, okay, I do need to hire some people. I need to hire, well, I just hired a support person. It's going really well, but like, gradually ramping him up and, and it's like the next big one is a, a developer to help help on product stuff but i don't know if i'll truly have the discipline to say like i'm going to gradually offload some of this product work and then not just try to like keep the same pace that i'm keeping but move faster with this person or is this person truly like helping me to have less on my plate and be less stressed i don't know it's so it's so hard to actually stay in that place where you're like trying to not burn yourself out and not keep, keep the, you know, RPMs pegged <laughs> as high as they can go. It's easy to like not know when you're hiring people to do more or hiring people to do less, you know, <laughs> like I've fallen into that trap a lot where like every time we brought on someone new, it's like, okay, this means we can achieve more instead of approaching it from like a okay this means that i can take things off my plate yeah we'll, we'll get like the the same amount of stuff done hopefully at a higher quality maybe or maybe slightly more stuff done but like no new scope you know what i mean like the the scope of the work is the same but just like the attention on it is different <sighs> yeah i don't know like another thing that i'm i've been thinking about is like I started out thinking of this business as like something that will ideally generate a nice stream of cash flow. Like I will grow it and I will pay myself a nice salary and then harvest dividends as the as the business can afford to and just just optimize for that. My thinking around that is shifting also because Ben and I have talked about this a little bit on here. But like so suppose I did that and it was throwing off millions of dollars in profit every year and I was pulling that out of the out of the business. So now it's either like cash in a bank account, which would be stupid. So then you, you want to invest that. So then put a bunch of it in the U.S. stock market, maybe, or do some angel investments. But I'm like not a full time investor. Like that's not my goal anytime soon to become that. So then, so then it's like I just kind of have this money that I'm putting aside into passive investment vehicles, which seems a little bit suspect to me, as opposed to the alternative being like, what if... What if the company was structured in a way where I'm actually aggressively reinvesting that profit into the asset that I'm putting all my focus into building? And that naturally pushes you towards a more ambitious type of company, I think, if you were saying, like, instead of instead of just pulling profit out, I'm going to aggressively reinvest. It means you have to deploy that towards something, and that means doing more building a more complicated business that's potentially going to be a lot more valuable because you're reinvesting into it. But in my mind, it's like I would much rather 
build wealth that way, reinvesting into the thing that where I'm putting my focus as opposed to aggressively like diversifying away that, that capital. I don't know how I feel about that in general, I guess. Like I feel like if it's throwing off millions of dollars a year, then it doesn't take many years before you really, really never have to think about money again and can live like a very lavish is maybe not the right word, but like probably can pretty much do whatever you want that normal people would ever do and not think about money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not going to fly private jets everywhere that you go, but like, yeah, you want to go on an expensive trip. You want to own a nice car. Like you can do all that stuff without budgeting pretty in, a, in just a couple of years, you know? So it's like, so why does it have to be worth more than that? Especially when it's like, investing back into the company the only thing that can really mean is like making the company bigger with more people and if you want to have like the the types of responsibilities that you want to have i guess that means like it feels like the logical conclusion that is ultimately like almost like hiring an executive team you know what i mean and getting to the point where what are you going to do are you just going to be like a, a developer product person who kind of like is almost like a uh I, I don't know, like the innovator in residence at your own company, you know what I mean? Who just kind of like works on not a terrible path. You know, that's that's what Jason Cohen effectively did, right? Like yeah. he's he's CTO um at WP Engine, but basically as as far as I understand, like he he actually writes code and I don't think he actually manages the people. He has an executive level title, obviously, because he's Jason Cohen. But like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he is like fairly siloed off from like the the rest of the stuff Mm -hmm. so i mean that could be a cool way to go at the end of the day i guess the thing that worries me about that is i would still feel like stressed about the fact that ultimately everything is still my problem as like the majority shareholder of the business no matter how much stuff you try to like um delegate um if the ceo quits like you're the fucking CEO now. Until you find someone else. Yeah. Um, Cause no one else is going to care to solve those problems, you know, except the people who were either paid a shitload of money to care or the people who have to care because like they own the equity, you know? So I guess that's what scares me about it. And I don't know if that's just like that realistic, you know, but that's like my fear of ever going in that sort of direction. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know what the what the weight of that feels like of being kind of the the primary person who ultimately the buck stops with you. You have to worry about this, but for like a large, truly large organization, well, large in my startup mindset, which is like a hundred people or more. You know, to me is like large. Yeah, it probably is stressful in a way that I don't even fully understand. So it's probably a little bit of a blind spot to think that like, oh, maybe I get to this place where they're you know, there's responsibilities are spread out enough where all the weight is not on my shoulders and it's not, and it doesn't feel super stressful, but I don't really actually know what that feels like to be in that position. Yeah. I mean, I have to believe it's possible because WP engine is that it seems like in a lot of ways, it seems like most companies eventually get to a point where there's people who are just intrinsically motivated to own things. Like you got to believe at Apple, like Tim Cook isn't like deciding the border radius on the next iPhone. You know what I mean? Someone else is like cares about that enough to like take ownership of it and be stressed when it's not done or not ready or whatever. I have to believe there's a kind of awkward in between stage where like 
there's a lot of pressure on you running like a big team before like it starts to get absorbed throughout like you know other people but i don't know this is all totally imaginary too it's it's most of this is just like me trying to picture what it would be like and trying to explain i guess like what about it worries me you know i really liked your point about if i'm hiring a person am i hiring this person so the business can do more things or is it so i can do fewer things i think that's really important to think about because it's i think it's natural as the founders to be like well there's this crappy work that has to be done and i don't want to give this crappy work to this cool new person we just hired i want them to have a great job so i'll just handle the crappy work and then give them this this cool stuff over here I feel like I need to think about this more like there's in the great CEO within, which I think is an awesome book. And I, I trust this advice. He encourages people to do an energy audit, like write down like everything I did this week, just kind of mark everything. Like, did this give me energy or did it take it away? Like, wh- like which, which of these things am I really good at and really like? He encouraged people to delegate away, or hire away everything that was not in like the optimal category for you. And saying like, you would think that this would mean you're hurting the business because no one's going to do the unfun tasks. But because of how much variability people have, there are people that enjoy just about everything. If you can get everybody doing the things that they really like and really bring them energy, you're all going to do an awesome job at it. And it's gonna, the, the net benefit of that is going to be really big. When I think about hiring or kind of like taking things off my plate, part of me thinks like, I have this like voice in my head, which is like, the optimal thing is like, you don't have to do anything. Like you're just chilling. And like, you could be on the beach, you could be skiing, you could be on Twitter, you could do you do whatever you want. But I actually don't like that in practice. Like what I find is like my like lazy days where I'm just hanging out, I kind of hate. Uh, and I always feel crappy. It's like not actually fun or good or satisfying or even really relaxing for me to just like be like, I'm not doing anything today, even though I can. What actually I really f- love is like working on certain things that I really like, like a really good coding day, designing a cool feature, um, doing this podcast, like g- being a guest on podcasts, like certain like marketing type activities, like conferences, things like that. That stuff, even though it's like harder and more draining, I hit the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I feel good. Like it was, I applied myself in a useful way. It gave me energy. I was into it. And so I feel like I need to keep remembering, like, figure out the things I actually do like and that give me energy. Try to make it so that my work day is filled with those. Get rid of the other stuff that doesn't. Like, there's certain certain things the business should do that someone else should do. But the goal is not idleness. The goal is absorption in the stuff that I actually really do like. How do you reconcile that with, like, a lot of the stuff that you'll see when you're digging into what it looks like to grow a business about when you build a team, like your job is now to manage people's emotions and make them successful and do the things that they want to do. You don't get to build product anymore. You know what I mean? Like you see, you see a lot of that. Like, I mean, example, this is like the details of like, this is outside of the scope of this conversation, but I saw this come up a lot when like all the base camp drama happened, you know, about like, you don't just get to like focus on the product anymore. Like your responsibility is now on creating a good environment for people and building a good culture and stuff like that. So how do you reconcile this idea of like trying to hire away all the things you don't want to do with the idea that 
the second you start hiring people, the expectations of what you do become fostering the team, you know? So, I, I mean, I would say if on your list of responsibilities is fostering the team and working on the culture and you hate that and doesn't give you energy, you haven't, that's another task on your plate. I know, but how many examples of there of that are there really besides like the Jason Cohn example that we don't even know truly for sure if that is a hundred percent true, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I think, I think ideally you can do it. Hopefully maybe that just works and you can like, so you just like build this company and you're just like beside it in this, like with this wall between you and like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that works, but, but also like, Dude, there's so many blog like there's just like so many articles about how you have to run a business. Sure. Right? Yeah. And it's just like it's this incredibly complex structure that you're creating. And like anyone that says like this is what has to be done, I just feel like it's 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 very questionable. I guess it's just natural to expect that like the shape is always this like pyramid. You know what I mean? And like you are naturally at the top of the pyramid as the owner of the business. And it'd be interesting to find more concrete examples of people who are not really. I think this is something that is constantly getting kind of debated and thought about in our community. Like I think the indicated by the trend now that like Rand Fishkin's doing that Josh Pickford's trying to do of like just hiring contractors. Like, so it's basically like everyone's a small business owner kind of transacting with other small businesses as opposed to this, like I'm building out a team where I'm hiring employees and I'm responsible for their man, like helping shepherd their career effectively. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are skeptical about wanting to take on that responsibility. And I think it's, it's a pretty, for pretty interesting reasons. It is a, it is a big like responsibility and hard, really hard to do right. I'm not con- fully convinced that like this, everyone's a contractor partially invested in the interests of the company. Like, I don't know if that's optimal either. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways that can go wrong too. Yeah. To me, that feels like it'd be stressful because I feel like one of my biggest sources of stress running a company is just like worrying. And sometimes it's probably irrational that everything is my problem. And that like, because I own the business and I benefit from owning the business that it's expected that like, if there's an emergency on a weekend that like I I expect only myself to deal with that. And that's stressful. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you only worked with contractors for everything, that would be taking that to like another extreme where it's just like, it's so transactional that like, there's just no um, loyalty, you know, like that makes it, there's, there's probably some negative connotations with that word, but just in general, just feeling like everyone kind of has each other's back, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being fully invested in the same mission to like, like if someone has the the clear headspace in my mind, you're an employee of a company and it's like, you don't have to worry about hustling for getting new clients or whatever. Like if you can just, you can just very clearly focus on this, on this mission that we're building together and get compensated well for it, then that feels sort of ideal. um, Yeah. But as the company gets bigger, like you need more people who want to take ownership of things because like otherwise you're building a bigger thing that you are solely responsible for and and that's like terrifying like something i've been thinking about a lot lately that i have no idea if it's realistic but like this like metaphor in my mind of like i think what i really want is not like an organization but like a band you know like 
I don't want to do things by myself because I want to do things that are slightly more ambitious than I could do by myself. And it's just like a lot of work. But I also love the idea of like working on a team where everyone's just kind of like in it. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. There's just something about the idea of like, there's five of us and like, there's the bass player, the guitar player, the drummer, you know what I mean? And it's like, maybe two people are the songwriters and everyone else is just there like playing their instruments and stuff, but it's still like a very different feeling than like building like an organization. You know what I mean? It has like, it's like, how do I expand the capabilities of like myself? Like I want to make this music, but I can't make it by myself, but I'm not going to like start a company to make it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to like tell everyone how to play their instruments and whatever, you know what I mean? But I I have a hard time putting my finger on exactly about exactly what about like the metaphor like feels like oh man that sounds like a great vibe but something about it 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 makes me think of like what you're talking about ben like the early days of tupo we're just like the three co-founders you know what i mean it's like yeah you guys are your green day you know what i mean (laughs) like the three of you (laughs) something i've been thinking about anyways is like are there risks with trying to hire away like all the things that you don't want to do and like basically building that sort of team versus just like what if you can just figure out a way to spread the load of the stuff that like you don't really like to do kind of the same thing i don't know if i think of it as like the same thing you know i think of it like hiring away the things you don't want to do is like okay well yeah i don't want to have to worry if like the database goes down in the middle of the night so i'm gonna hire a reliability engineer you know what i mean but i get a lot of comfort from just feeling like um what if there was just like another technical co-founder at the company where like, I feel like if I'm on vacation with my family and the database goes down, like someone else is motivated to care about it enough that like, I don't have to worry that I'm going to get the page or notification and have to like bug someone on the team to do it or whatever. It accomplishes the same thing, I guess, in a lot of ways, but it, it, there's something about like it being just so like general, you know, where it's just like, this person, uh, like, there's a lot of, like, stresses and things that can go wrong or, like, problems to deal with that, like, are almost, like, unpredictable. And if you can't predict it, then, like, you know you're the only one on the hook to, like, deal with that problem. But if you work with people who you just know are going to take that same level of responsibility as you, then, like, yeah, some new problem you never could have predicted, like, some trademark violation issue that's, like, oh shit i didn't think to hire a trademark lawyer on the team you know and we don't have one of those kicking around um so i guess this is my problem because like i own the business if there's five co-founders you know effectively um does that make that problem better or worse i don't know it seems like you have this fact in your head which is like if a person is a co-founder they're more willing to take on problems from the business yes that is Um, the what my yeah intrinsic belief whether i've fully yeah 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 you know so then it sounds like you think someone that has equity in the business will behave differently in a material way than someone that doesn't but i think there's like a threshold too where it's like yeah i don't think it's like oh i got stock options when i signed my shopify contract you know like that's not the same as i own 15 percent of the company you know what i mean there's degrees to it i think i think you're kind of right in that people respond to incentives and someone that owns a meaningful chunk of the business probably would care more. But I also feel like by treating people well, you're building goodwill and like depositing it into the bank account. 
And so when the database goes down on the weekend and like someone has to like do some work at off hours, they're not like, this is such bullshit. I'm not a co-founder. Why do I have to fix the database? But they're like, well, these people have been treating me right and caring about me and pay me well. And yeah, whatever. Like we're, we're a team. There's a bunch of work to do and we're going to do it as a team. But I guess to me, the difference is still like, do you still have to like ask that person to do it then? You know what I mean? And yeah, they, they might be happy to do it because it's like, yeah, I got your back. You know what I mean? Like we're a team, but it's still like, I'm the one who's got to like be monitoring for problems, you know what I mean? And then delegating them. And, and maybe that's like solvable too, but there's just all sorts of things that happen to us all the time that are just like unpredictable, you know, like the trademark thing is like a real thing. Like I'll just be like hanging out on the weekend and notice like some, someone's like ripped off our product or something. And it's like, shit, well now I'm going to be stressed about this all weekend until like some action has been like taken on it. And no one else at the company's really going to be stressed about it the same way. So they're not going to like jump to like do anything about it. And it's not really urgent in the sense that like it can't wait till like Monday to deal with. But like for my own mental health, it can't really wait till Monday because like I'm not going to be able to like stop thinking about it until like I feel like some action has been taken on it. Like I'm the only one who's ever going to care enough. You know what I mean? And Steve too, you know? I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think there's a combination of like, I mean, the thing that popped in my head is like, there are smart, like ops type people, like generic get stuff done type humans that are capable. And if you shot them an email and said, I need you to find me a trademark lawyer and do a first call with them and figure out what our response to this should be and then write up a summary or something. There's definitely humans capable of that. And then also another thought was like, there's a ton of like self work to do. For right. sure. As, yeah. a, as a founder. Because like this stuff is just really stressful. And I think a bunch of like the company's potential is kind of locked up in like how much of your own brain can you improve and like yeah. dealing with stress and, mm -hmm. and all this. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely a low like kind of that low grade latent stress all the time. Like and I I noticed this like when I wake up in the morning. I'm like Okay, what's in my inbox? What's what's in the support queue? What has someone said on Twitter about the product or me? What like and there's like this whole checklist of things that run through my head that feel like heavy to me or like just what's the new challenge that's going to come my way? What's the hunt, latest honey badger error that I just saw? You know, like on and on and on. I so I can totally jive with that like feeling of like, well, ultimately like I'm the only one who can really care about all the unforeseen things coming right now at least. But I do think that at Drip, we managed to build some build systems where, like, gradually there was a back end team, but this took scale. That's the thing. Like, this didn't this didn't exist at small small scale, and that's another reason why I I wonder if sometimes I'm thinking too small, like in the name of of staying in this happy small team phase, and by doing that, I'm like forcing myself to have to lead a more stressful life because I'm just like holding back from actually like building out the, the teams that can take take on full areas of responsibility and just like you own that and that's your job is to own that um, and usually it's hard to like put that on one person which is why I think when you're building out a company like it's one thing for a founder to say like I'm going to be the one solely responsible for this but as soon as you have like you need people to be on call. It's really hard to say like, I hired you as an employee and now you're on call all the time. Like you can't, like it's much harder to do that to an employee. So then it's like, well, now we need to build out a team of people who can have rotations because 
that is a fairer, more sane way to do it for, you know, for people. You can't just burden it, burden someone the same way. Doesn't it just feel kind of like weird though, or unintuitive that like, if your goal is like, I want to not really think about money and I kind of want to like be able to sit at my computer and hack on interesting problems and learn about interesting things and build things that kind of, I think are fun and challenging that like to be able to do that first, I need to build a company with a hundred people in it. And then (laughs) when that's running itself and the cash flow is paying me to do that stuff, now I can just like sit at the coffee shop and like hack on like my idea for like what a cool to do app UI might be. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. It feels like a stretch. (laughs) I mean, you set a really high bar for, for yourself there. Just like I need to be financially independent fully and also doing only things I want and at the same company at the same time in one shot. Like I think this is why kind of a lot of people sell a company and get that like the FU money and then it's like, all right, round two. Now I'm only going to make decisions that make me happy. Yeah, I guess it just doesn't feel like that high of a bar to me for some reason (laughs) to just like figure out a way to make money doing what you think is fun. Yeah. I mean, arguably, like we've we've all done that to a certain degree. Like I could I could just not grow the business any further and kind of tread water where I'm at. I think there's a reason why I'm not doing that. And it's because I still have more bigger ambitions. And like, you you know, you could have probably kept just you and Steve and Adam and just like. Yeah, I mean, like for us, the problem is like we accidentally built something that was like a lot of work to maintain you know what i mean like we built this thing we had more customers than we thought more support than we thought and it was like crap we need help do you end up where you are and i'm not complaining you know it's good like we're doing lots of interesting interesting work and stuff but it's definitely like uh i definitely feel like i have less freedom you know what i mean because like i feel like commitments that i have to making sure we have interesting things on the roadmap and that it, the things that we have match the skill sets of the people on the team and the interests of the people on the team. And I think the answer to, I just want to make enough money and only have to like hack on things is get a job. Yeah. That's like, that's the simplest thing. That's like, that's what In most some ways, do. I guess like, I don't know, maybe I'm just like too optimistic. It just feels like to me, like making my own money feels like way easier than like making money at a job. I don't know. Like, but are you more stressed now than when you had a job? Uh, not the same type of stress. Like when I had a job, I like still had student loans to worry about and like, you know, but I mean, like work stress. Yeah. I mean, definitely way more work stress than when I had jobs. When I had my jobs that I had in this industry never really felt like. It felt like five o'clock, go home, don't think about it, sort of jobs generally. You know what I mean? Um, If I ever had stress, it was like, I'm unhappy on this project or at this job and like, I need to find a new job, you know, like that sort of stress, but never like, oh, how are we going to fix the fact that uh, people want this and we aren't going to be able to deliver it fast enough or, you know what I mean? Like, um, I feel like that's the, the trade, right? It's like, and also like the, the fact that like, it's not that high a bar to build a business that throws up enough money that I have a lot of it and we can employ people and I get to only do what I want. That, that feels like a pretty high bar to me. Actually. Sure. That, the fact that you like, sure. Yeah, I guess. Um, like, I think a lot of people listening would be like, that's like, I would love to have that. And you're crazy. 
I guess I like the here's default, the thing. Like I could have just like kept like making courses and writing books and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I never even really had to make Tailwind UI. Like I after refactoring UI, like I could have just like said off to the beach. You know what I mean? Like definitely could have just we definitely could have like milked that more we could have pushed and done like a second edition on it we could have like done affiliate marketing like we don't do anything with that somehow that book still like makes enough money to pay the whole team's salary and we do literally nothing i don't even know how people find out about it you know what i mean so like there's a, there's a lot just left on the table just in in just that one product you know so it's like there's a lot of things you can make that are that take like temporary sprints of work to get like a big payoff and and maybe i like i just got lucky but i don't think i really got lucky like i think i took like a pretty deliberate systematic approach to building and selling the things that i made and you know just those things the things that didn't have like a steady kind of revenue base to them like were enough to basically by my freedom you know what i mean yeah it's not easy but it's like given the choice like between find a job uh and work there forever or do some market research and figure out what are some interesting opportunities to teach people how to do things and sell a one-time sale product and bank a bunch of money like that feels easier actually <laughs> you know what i mean maybe just for me but yeah but I think by default, that path then signs you up for more stress. I feel like few people would disagree with the fact that like running your yeah, own thing it's is, way, is more stressful. It's definitely than. more stressful. Um, so then I think the kind of the task in front of all three of us really is like, what do you do with that? Yeah. What's your answer to that? Like, how do you, how do we do our best to get the things that we want out of running our own things, but to mitigate the the stress that's part of that and the downsides? Mm-hmm. It's tough because like sell it never feels like the right answer either. You know what I mean? Like I really have no interest. Like I've been having some conversations with like accountants and lawyers and stuff lately about some stuff and about like, you know, some financial planning related stuff. And they're always like talking about, well, you should like get this in place if you ever want to sell the business. And like my answer is always, I literally plan to operate this business like it's a new car I bought 15 years ago that I'm just going to drive until it doesn't work anymore. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> driving to um, the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to sell it because like then you, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like the, you have to do something else that I mean, the thing that sucks and it, it sucks in a, in a goodish way, I guess, is like a lot of the things that make it stressful, like the things that make it like purposeful and like rewarding, you know what I mean? Like, man, it sounds nice to just like build stuff that's like free with like no customer support and like no obligation and not feeling like I ever have to answer anybody's questions or anything like that. But like without people paying for something it's not as fun either because like you don't have any evidence that like we made something good. I mean, maybe building open source stuff is like a, a good in between, but like open source is its own special type of hell. I want to believe it's like a solvable problem, but it also kind of just feels like if you, if you want those like dopamine hits of feeling like you did something like 
that mattered or like that you cracked something that was really hard that it has to be fucking hard before you crack it you know um that's the i think that's the key insight for me because yeah i think if we if we all sold our businesses tomorrow and had all the money in the world you could ever want in a bank account we would definitely do things it's like no i don't think any any of us would like go retire on a beach and literally do nothing because we've established like think that is not fulfilling at all that's no way to live a life so we would do things but then so then the question is like, well, I think you could just pick up any kind of project and, and pour yourself into it and, and do it. But like what makes that project fulfilling is I think there's, there's something really, hard. Yeah, <laughs> that it's hard and that there's something special about business. Like businesses are hard endeavors. And so they're especially fulfilling when you can crack you can crack that code and like bring something to a market that cares and is paying for it. And that like that's really intoxicating. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do something hard, you might as well pick something hard that is going to pay the bills while you're trying to do the hard thing. You know what I mean? Like, and and is the the kind of hard that you like that you find satisfying and you're you're good at? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I th- I'm trying to think like what would I do if I actually did just like retire, retire, and not try to do anything that like made money anymore? And would there be things that were fun? I think I would probably like write music. You know what I mean? Like that you get a lot you can get a lot of good stuff out of that or write more in general you know like write a book about something different or just basically like be Derek Sivers you know what I mean (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know he would be a good voice to have in this discussion yeah he would just say just chill yeah Um, we should get Derek and Paul on here and like the vibe will be so mellow (laughs) 100% (laughs) Uh man, I've it's crazy that they are running Fathom with just two of them. Like seems like that would be stressful and hard. Um, but yeah. they have that that database over the weekend problem big time. Hugely. Yeah. Yeah. And like people like DDoS them. Yeah. I don't think they would say they weren't stressed during that. I don't, like, I don't I think, think they, so either. But I I don't think there's like a a magic happy state where you don't feel experience stress anymore. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. Anyways. I worry about the selling thing. I feel like sometimes I catch myself thinking, well, like, well, this isn't like I'm not I'm not having fun doing this thing. But like, maybe eventually we'll sell this thing, and like then in business number two, I'll just only do the fun stuff, or like I'll build it in a way that like is really shaped the way I want or something. And that feels like a, a pretty crappy trap. Actually, I'm kind of scared by that thought appearing in my head. Yeah, like this, like. It's kind of the, the, the whole like retirement trap of like suffer now to like sail your boat when you're 60 sort of thing. I've experienced that a bit. I get asked all the time, do you regret selling drip? And the answer is always no, in part because like it was becoming so stressful to run just by nature of the type of product and the amount of data we were processing and the fact that I just I'm not an expert in this, but I had a high degree of responsibility in the in the company it was just a really stressful in, endeavor and it only got more stressful as time went on. So that's been part of my calculus in like what to do next. It's like, well, I know I don't want that kind of stress and like Savvy Cal is definitely not, doesn't have the same characteristics to it. Just the amount of data I'm processing and the amount of scale concerns on the technical front are much lower. And so like that, that, that was, does feel like a case where like the next business, I wanted to have these properties that are just inherently going to fit better with my skill set and my, the, the way I want to operate. What do you think like the alternate timeline of drip is like if you didn't sell it what would you have done to like make it the place that you want to work you know yeah we were probably on the cusp of like actually needing to raise some some investment money and i and then like hire 
specialists who could really like take the platform to the next level and like get like solve like take ownership of a lot of these scaling challenges that we were having drip was very much a different business than what like tuple is where like there's you guys have like a good amount of like cash flow and good good amount of profit and like drip just never really experienced that we were constantly bumping up against like every time revenue would grow it's like we had this burning need that was not being met and we had to fill it with some kind of expense whether it was a person or a contractor or a service or whatever and so it was just kind of a nonstop grind in that sense and so we never really experienced that like we have lots of margin and we're calm and wherever like that that kind of calm company goal that a lot of people have it's like it's kind of nice if your business ends up being that way but sometimes it's just not and drip never really was because because of the cost to run it was just high you know yeah uh i don't know man <laughs> i need some like role models you know some some fresh business role models to like find and be like yeah i think they got it figured out you know um it used to be base camp for a lot of people i think <laughs> and then it turns out uh it wasn't perfect <laughs> so i don't know We'll figure it out, hopefully, one day. I think this is one of those things that will, it'll never be figured out. It's just a, it's a process. Uh, that's It's a never-ending yeah. process of a journey of, of working towards uh, incrementally steering the ship in the right direction and figuring out how to stay calm, I guess. <laughs> I feel like having, having friends that tweet good questions at you is a good start. Yeah. <laughs> just to make sure we're thinking about it. Yeah, definitely be careful about the growth for the sake of growth mentality. Yeah. If I'm like, oh, we can hire this person and make more money, it's like there's not much impetus for anyone to be like, but why? Like, is that is that what we want? Do we care about that? Is that maximizing the right variables? Yeah, it definitely is interesting to like try and erase the hire to grow idea from your brain for a while and think only about like hire to alleviate you know and me and steve like a while back we were like talking about this problem a lot because like we just found that like every cycle of work we we're doing we do these like six week cycles by the end of each one we were just like holy fuck i'm dead you know like and we just crammed so much in and we we're doing so much stuff and it felt like we we're doing new projects upon new project that was just like piling up like responsibility upon responsibility of like maintain 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 this like big mountain of stuff to maintain that wasn't getting maintained super well because we we're only doing new stuff and the last quarter i th- think we've done a better job at like dedicating a lot of time to just maintaining things and trying to make things better especially make things better in ways that make it less work in the future you know and like investing in internal things and automating things that are a bunch of work and and lately i'm even thinking like one thing i want to try more going forward is like actually not allocating everyone on the team to real projects and just like always having like room to just like react to things and like not feeling like oh crap like someone found like a really bad bug and we can't really fix it because like we've already committed to these projects and like these projects are also really important and you know like stuff like that's happened to us already Um, but we made this like chart of it was like a venn diagram with like three circles in it and one was like 
things that are really fun. And one was like things that make our lives easier. And then another one was like things that make us more money. And we kind of like made this commitment to ourselves, at least because our business is just at a point where like, it feels like we don't have to sacrifice that much to like keep the cash flow going or to like get to the financial goals that we need to anything that like only fits in the makes us more money bucket is like an immediately we will never fucking do this because like it has to at least overlap with like the this will make our lives easier or like this will be fun buckets to be like worth doing i couldn't think of anything that fit in the middle of all of them but surely there has to be at least one project that like makes our lives easier helps us make money and is fun those seem like projects you should definitely do i mean i feel like you accidentally make so much money that you don't even need to think about that circle so far there's a strong correlation between like things that are fun and things that make money you know for sure which is like Definitely not complaining, but it was an interesting exercise to just like take a list of all these things we had talked about doing and try and like fit them into this like Venn diagram. And it, there was just so many things that I'm trying to think of like specific examples, but like, you know, even things like doing like an affiliate program or something, it's like th- that only sits in the makes us more money bin. You know, there's nothing that like makes my life easier there, except maybe like I have to do less marketing because other people are going to do that. Certainly it's not fun. You know what I mean? But there's a bunch of these things that are like opportunities that it's like, oh, um, there's no positive element to this other than the money. And like, that's not the thing we need to optimize for if we're trying to like design a happy life because we've kind of reached that milestone there where it's like, okay, we're safe. So I don't know. It it was definitely interesting to find a bunch of things that we could just like cancel all these projects. (laughs) You know what I mean? So maybe I need to like look at that again. And uh, I don't know. It's been it was it was an interesting framework for us anyways. And I think it could be an interesting framework for anyone, even if like it doesn't mean you're automatically going to cancel stuff there. But it's a good way to just like, yeah, find the stuff that kind of is going to be the most fulfilling and have like the highest reward. All right, we're coming up on on time. Cool. An arbitrary number of time. (laughs) (laughs) But this feels about about a good place to stop. Well, thanks. Well, thanks. Thanks for making yourself free. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So I could. This was fun. Spew my internal monologue to the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People love that stuff. Cool. All right, guys. Well, good catching up. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Uh, Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.